Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to talk about fitness with the fittest. And if sitting around is more your thing, we're going to look at the top five football mascots. For me, coming into CrossFit, I I will say that I was not particularly strong. Very strong with my body weight and things like that. Very coordinated strength, but I didn't have like raw power. Anything you take to the extreme... Uh, is is going to be nuts, right? And and I think that I I would never argue that what I do, the way that I train, is is healthy either. Have you ever been in the competition and seen somebody take their shirt off and think, oh, too soon, buddy, too soon? Oh yeah, all the time. It's amazing. I would put my number of about twenty to twenty five percent. I'm going to neglect my family. Gym shorts and a t shirt, and you're tucking that in and walking around your house. I'm doing it right now. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Our first guest is one of the fittest people on earth, and he's on a quest to be the fittest person on earth. And even if you're not really into CrossFit or exercise isn't really your thing, I always like talking to professional athletes because I think that they have so much I think you can learn so much from them when it comes to motivation and how you can really find out what you're really capable of. This is professional CrossFit athlete Patrick Vellner. What did you think about CrossFit before you got into it? Um, so I didn't know much about it before I got started in it, uh, really. I, so I was in university in Montreal when I started doing some CrossFit, and I didn't do it. Most people will go to a gym and I'm kind of take classes and get their their intro that way but i had a few friends who were doing it and i was a competitive gymnast for a long time but i had just recently retired and i kind of i was just like at school kind of putting in hours at the gym just because i thought i should uh and met some friends there that were just they were doing some different kinds of circuit training and i was like oh this is interesting something different something new that i can try to do and, and work out with other people so i started training with them not even knowing that they were doing crossfit workouts that they were pulling these from you know the crossfit website and things like that so um i just kind of got into that group and started working out with them and they kind of pushed me to do the the online open which is kind of the first stepping stone to the, the competitive circuit in crossfit and so I did that in like 2013 for the first time and just, you know, got my ass handed to me by a bunch of these workouts. And I was a guy who grew up playing a lot of sports, like was highly competitive in a few different sports. So it was the sort of thing that I did and, and I didn't didn't like how hard that was. And I thought I was better than what I showed. So, you know, I just stuck to it. And I think it was always fun for me because I, I came from, a like I said, a sporting background, but a very specific sporting background in gymnastics. I played a lot of lacrosse as well, but pretty pretty much just general capacity but there was all kinds of skills associated in crossfit you know from the olympic weightlifting to you know like all these different movements that like skill capacity because skill component to them where you know i you can be as fit as you want but if you don't have that movement pattern you haven't learned that skill you're useless uh and so it was fun it was fun for me to just learn new skills and so i kind of just snowballed through that and then you know fast forward a few years and i i never really i never really had my fingers into the competitive world right away like I didn't I wasn't watching competitive CrossFit from the start 
But after a couple of years, then I got, I got invited to a, the next stage of competition. And then, you know, you go and show up and you sort of see what this whole competitive landscape is like. And I think for a lot of people, that's where they get into CrossFit is they kind of, it's like a next step after they've finished a competitive career in, in a certain sport. And then they just sort of say, hey, you know, I've got all this fitness and will to compete, but I don't really have an avenue to explore that anymore. Uh, and it provides that for a lot of people. So, yeah, I never really saw myself competing at the games or things like that when I had just started. But um, it's a it's a slippery slope, and I kind of just snowballed my way there. Is this something that a, a lot of athletes are like that, where they come from an athletic background? The majority, by far, are athletes who had some sort of a competitive career before they started CrossFit. A lot of people who are collegiate athletes, you know, um, come from some sort of a background where they – they use their bodies, but there are some, and I mean, now you have some, they, they've in, I don't know when the last maybe three or four years, four years, maybe now they started these teen divisions and stuff where they have young athletes. There's a, a 14 to 15 year old category and a 16, 17 year old category. And so you've got kids who, who didn't necessarily play a sport at any kind of a high competitive level before doing CrossFit. They kind of just started by doing CrossFit. And then, so these kids have kind of come up doing it and, uh, it's like a new wave of athlete that have just been like learning those skills and those movements and, and how to master that style of training right from the get go. So it's interesting to see how, how those athletes compare with guys who have, you know, have a wealth of, of competitive years and training years in a different avenue. Cause I, in my opinion, those skills translate a hundred percent. So I think that like there's not necessarily an advantage to being a CrossFitter right from the get go. I think there's a huge advantage to being a an athlete. <clears throat> One of my favorite stories actually, there's like uh, an athlete. His name's Travis Williams. He's a, a CrossFit Games athlete. Was for a number of years competing as an individual, and then went to a team. And he's a guy who was um, like he was super overweight as a kid. Never played any sports. Um, went into a CrossFit gym at some point and was kind of like, you know what, I'm going to get back and I'm going to get into shape. I need to, I need to lose some weight and sort of reclaim my life. And, uh, and he wound up as a CrossFit games athlete as someone who didn't have any, any real sporting background. I think he played some baseball when he was really young, but he was like, he was an overweight kid. And then he, he decided he was going to go and, uh, and turn his life around. And he did. What makes you good at it? Are you naturally strong, coordinated fast? Like, why are you good at it? a very good question <laughs> and I don't know if I know the answer to that I think that that's the sort of thing that if you asked like my coach or some of my competitors why I'm good they might have a better answer but um, I think that my years of gymnastics were very very good for developing the right kind of mindset that it takes to succeed in, in almost any sport so for me coming into CrossFit i I would say that I was not particularly strong, very strong with my body weight and things like that, very coordinated strength, but I didn't have like raw power uh, because in gymnastics, all you ever move is your, your own body and, you know, you never have to squat or do anything like that. So when I first started weight training, like I had like embarrassingly low weightlifting numbers uh, and that takes a really long time to develop and you can't really rush it. So I just sort of, I took the slow approach and I said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to take the long game here. And uh, it took me like four years to get competitive in my, my strength numbers. But because I did it smart, I didn't really hurt myself or do or have any major setbacks. I was able to continually climb. Uh, but for the most part, like I came in with a really strong gymnastics background and a lot of CrossFit has roots in, in gymnastics uh, body weight movement uh, and I had really good capacity like running and endurance from playing lacrosse so much so uh, I had like all the kind of energy systems I need and I think that gymnastics provides you with very coordinated strength and uh, and body awareness so it's easy for me to learn so when it came time for me to you know learn some new things that I had never done before or even like like Olympic weightlifting and things like that I was really good at I, I was very coachable very good at taking cues very good at learning from my mistakes feeling the difference between like what, what a good lift and a bad lift was and then the last thing is like in gymnastics, not only was I coming in with the experience of, you know, being used to training 20 plus hours a week easy. Um, so that was like putting, putting in hours, putting in work was no big deal for me. Um, but you're used to, you're used to failing a lot. Like in gymnastics, when it comes time to learn something new, I mean, you fall on your head 30 times and then you finally find your feet once. Um, so that sort of, that sort of failure or shortcoming wasn't, that discouraging. I know a lot of people get frustrated very easily and they find that, you know, with, 
if they don't if they aren't able to to succeed early or have some sort of a taste of success they stop trying uh and i'm i i think that i gymnastics allow teaches you to be stubborn with stuff like that and really stick it out and then and other than that i mean the the competition framework is also very similar to what a gymnastics competition is where you have multiple events uh, and you you can't really you sort of have to forget the last one and move on to the next one very quickly. Uh, but I like I wouldn't say that I have anything that I'm exceptionally good at in the the CrossFit world. Like I don't win a lot of events, but I just I don't stumble very badly very often. And then in the end, that's what it takes to win. You don't you don't need to win individual events. And if you do, oftentimes the guys who have some extreme strengths often have very extreme weaknesses. Are you, what, you're like 5'11", 200, right? Around there? R- roughly, yeah. I think I'm like 5'10", 5'11", and then, yeah, on a, on a heavy day, I'd be probably 200 now. Is there... Uh, right now, since, since the, the competition season just ended, I'm, I'm down like probably five pounds just because I'm not training as much and I'm not like eating as much and I'm not paying attention as much. Is that, is that, are you big? Are you small? Are you average? I'm tall. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm exceptionally large. Uh, I know some of the guys that are, you know, five, six, five, seven weigh the same as what I weigh. But, uh, there are some, there's, there aren't that many very tall athletes. Like I'd say, you know, if you're six foot, six foot one, six foot two, you're like, you're very, very tall. And I mean, a lot of the movements are like it's leverage. Like a lot of it is repetition. We're doing a lot of repetitions over time. So if your levers are shorter, you've just got a bit of a mechanical advantage, right? So I think that that's why at the highest level, the sort of the body type tends to be a little bit smaller. The, like the average is probably like five, eight, five foot eight and like one ninety, one ninety five. What, what's going on in Iceland that every single person from <laughs> what's happening there? Like every single person seems to be from Iceland. You know, what's cool is they, uh, They've just got a good athletic um, community. I mean, Iceland's a small country of, I don't even know, 300,000 people maybe. But uh, so when you think of that, like that's, that's a tiny country. But I mean, their, their soccer teams do extremely well. Like the sports that they, they play, they do well. They have a huge strongman culture out there. Like they've got some absolute behemoths out there that are just huge strongmen that are just like moving houses. And then, yeah, the, what happened years ago is like uh, they had Annie Thoris' daughter was one of the first women from Iceland to come into the CrossFit world, right kind of when competitive CrossFit was just taken off. And she actually won the world championships two years. And uh, when she won, it sort, of, it sort of sparked the community in Iceland, I think. And because it's such a small community, when she came home, people were like, oh, man, this is awesome. And everybody kind of clung on to that. Uh, and so... They ended up another another woman that trained at the same gym as her went on to win the win the CrossFit Games two times. Uh, they've got a gentleman from there, Bjorkvin Carl Goodmanson, who's been on the podium twice for the men. I think they've got, also just got a great like healthy athletic community. I always feel bad for the person who has to make the jerseys though. It's like God dang, I gotta make <laughs> another twenty letters on this one. Yeah, there's a few good ones this year, especially they. There was a lot more international involvement, and I mean, there were some some great names. But that said, I think there was like five Smiths this year, so <laughs> that made things easy. Is it the methodology of CrossFit that that kind of lends people to look and to be able to do the things that they do, or is it just that you guys are trying so hard? I think the methodology is good. I think it's it's like it's high it's high efficiency training. So like the way that I kind of got into it is like, I did a lot of circuit style training in gymnastics as well. So I saw these guys that were doing something similar that I, I could kind of wrap my head around. I'm like, I get what they're doing. Like, you know, I can get through a lot of work in a short amount of time. If I've only got an hour to spend at the gym, I can roll in, build this circuit, bang it out, be done, get out. Uh, and I think like my, my girlfriend's a medical doctor and she doesn't have a lot of time um, and people come in and you, you don't have to think you show up, there's a workout on the board, the coach runs you through it, gets you, make sure all your movement is good and then off you go. So I think it provides a, a good community and a good structure that just lets people get in, get their workout done and, and, and take off. And, it, and it's accessible for everybody. Like they, what they've done well is provide really good scaling options and, and make it so that, you know, 
if this whether this is the workout that's written, it's really easy for anyone to modify it slightly to whatever their needs are. Let's say you've got a shoulder injury or you know, you're a little bit older and you don't want to squat as heavy like easy. You can adjust everything infinitely, right? To the to the point of like what's allowed us to do the things that we do and look the way that we look, uh, is just that we're extreme. And that's all there is to it. I think anything you take to the extreme uh, is is going to be nuts, right? And and I think that I I would never argue that what I do, the way that I train, is is healthy either. I think in any sport, when you're going to try to compete at the highest level, you have to appreciate that you assume some degree of risk with what you're doing. Uh, like, is it the best for me to be like overloading my body as consistently as I do? Maybe not. Like, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes in competition, if I'm hurt and in training, I would not continue to to do what I'm doing. In competition, I will. And those are decisions that I make as a competitor. And I mean, by I think the old school uh, competitive CrossFitter as well was a little bit less smart about the way they did it than we are now. Uh, I think that we've seen people come and go and be injury riddled and be and have their bodies wear out on them. So we're a bit smarter, I think, overall now about you know making sure you take time to deload and you and you run training phases and you make sure that you're not you're not just constantly beating the shit out of your body. Like you do take the time off to recover. You after competition, you take a certain amount of time to deload and and just regroup and let your body be healthy for a little bit. This is going to be, I'm going to phrase this question horribly, but I think you'll understand what I'm asking. So, okay. I mean, I go work out and stuff like that, and I feel like I'm pushing myself pretty hard, but I don't really know if that's what I'm truly capable of. As you've kind of gone along, have you been surprised? Like, how do you get to that level of finding out, like, oh, this is what I can really, really do? That's a hard one. Uh, I think that that's... At the root of it, I think that that's part of why I, I, I like to compete. I think that that's something that as a competitor, again, in anything, um, you kind of compete for the challenge, right? And I think that <clears throat> consistently I've surprised myself in competition with things that I've been able to do. And whereas in training you might – you just get used to, to maybe running at a certain level and, and feeling like, okay, this is like what my, my threshold is. But then all of a sudden when you're in a competitive environment and you've got a guy next to you going a little bit harder or somebody yelling at you, then you're just like, oh, and you, you find that little bit of extra edge. Um, it is tough though and I think that that's why people like to have training partners or people like to you know, do different things with their training to try to shake it up and, and see if they can squeeze out a little bit extra. But at the end of the day, if you feel like you're pushing really, really hard, that's kind of all you really need. So again, the difference between a competitor like myself and someone who's really just trying to get fit and make sure that they're being healthy, like it's perceived effort, right? Like if at the end of the day you're going into exercise and that's like that's the bottom line. If you got in and you got a good workout in, then you did you did fine. Um, I think people can get a little bit too hung up on all of the outcomes, and that's another thing that CrossFit does quite well is that almost everything is is so quantifiable like there's objective measures for everything that you can see oh like today my rowing speed was like a little bit slower than it was last week what's going on like am i getting less fit like no maybe you're just you just had a hard day at work like who knows there's so many different factors that play all the time that you have to try to detach yourself a bit from from that on the day-to-day and just try to like really lean back and look at the overall trends over time. And if you're going in and you're putting in a high rate of perceived effort every day that you're going in uh, and you're going in consistently, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to trend upward and that's what matters. So for, for us, it's like, yeah, sometimes I have really surprised myself and sometimes the cost has been very high where you might finish a, an event or a workout and, and feel like you could die right there. And so I would say that I have done some objectively – crazy things and i've regretted some of them kind of (laughs) but uh that's not necessarily like how it needs to be for everybody all the time right so going into the games like what is your what's a workout a typical workout and eating day look like for you it's it's hard like so i went and i trained for about a month this year uh i just did like a training camp with my coach usually i'm doing kind of six days of training a week one did one day off uh, one of the days is on is like a more of low impact day where we might just only swim or run or something like that. But all the, the other five days are usually anywhere from like two to three, maybe four sessions, like separate sessions of training. 
Um, a lot of times it'll be like you wake up, have a big breakfast. They eat a lot of like oatmeal and eggs and egg whites in the morning. And then lunches are a lot of like, depends, like, like rice and chicken and veggies and stuff. Like pretty much just jet fuel, like clean burning fuel that's going to going to keep you going through the day it's going to burn fast and make give you the energy that you need lots of carbs like you need tons of energy so we eat a lot like i could eat easily upwards of five thousand calories a day easily wow Uh, so sometimes the challenge is when you're when you're doing that much exercise how do you keep up because you can't like if i'm going to train four times in the day um you don't want to be training with a full stomach either, right? So you want to make sure that like what you eat, you might eat smaller meals that are going to digest fast. You need to make sure what you eat digests fast. And that, a lot of that is individualized, like whatever you you personally can handle. Um, and like sometimes you do a lot of liquid nutrition, like you just you have shakes of like carbs and protein and things like that just because you need it in quick. Um, but a lot of it is like in that kind of training, like year round, my nutrition is a little bit better. Um, when you're training around men, honestly, a lot of it is like it's calories in. The same thing in competition. Like you just need you need the calories in. So sometimes it's less important what you're having and just like how much you're having. But we do keep it as clean as we can. But yeah, like you could get up, like run at the track in the morning, go to the gym, do like a weightlifting session of like lots of powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, more power training, have the afternoon be mostly skill work, like a lot of gymnastics skill stuff. Um, most sessions will have one or two conditioning style pieces, like either across the workout or just pure conditioning stuff like bike intervals or, you know, rowing intervals or something. So most days will have a bias of some kind. Like if you have more of a, a weightlifting barbell bias on a day, most of your conditioning pieces will be geared around that. And then another day might be more gymnastics bias where you're doing a lot of like like pushing or pulling like pull-ups and like handstand push-ups or things like that. And a lot of your, your strength pieces might be like weighted pull-ups, uh, deficit handstand push-ups. And then your conditioning parts might be some combinations of like, you know, running and then doing like lots of pull-ups or muscle-ups on the rings or things like that. So most days will be, I don't know, for sure to any day. Um, and then some days if we have, we're doing extra track or swimming stuff, it could be three sessions and maybe four if we, I need extra time, so, but they're long days. They're like, we've had days where we're training from, I don't know what, like get there, start at like 10 and not finish our last session till like 8 PM. Going into this games, I saw a lot of websites saying you're the second fittest man on earth, that this was <laughs> your year. And then it, I think it's fair to say it didn't quite work out the way that you wanted it to. What, what was this games like for you? Was it a bigger disappointment than more years? Did you take it as a as a push forward, or how did you react to it? Well, the games this year was they structured it differently, so the format was different than it had been in the last three years. So the last three years, I had finished third, third, and then second, um, and then they changed the format so that now there was there was like these a uh, cut system that progressively cut the field down, but we didn't have a ton of information about the cuts. They just sort of told us like they would be, you know, sporadically throughout the competition, um, and eventually it was going to be down to ten athletes, and that would be like then they wouldn't cut any lower than that. So in my mind, like I have competed several times this year against the same athletes that I compete with against at the games, and um, I, I kind of thought, okay, there's no way that I, I don't finish in the top ten, so I don't really need to worry about making that top ten cut. Like I couldn't really think of a single scenario where they could give me events that would take me out of that. Um, so I just, I decided early on that like, rather than play it safe, like most years I like play it reasonably safe and just be conservative, make sure you don't make mistakes. And then a smooth run is typically good enough. But this year I was like, ah, you know what? I've done that. I've played that game. I want to try to take some risks, uh, and push in some places where I typically wouldn't like try to make myself uncomfortable and uh, and just see if I can push the, the, the guy that's been winning, Matt Fraser, is exceptionally good. Uh, and there's no, and in my mind, there's no way to beat him unless you're willing to do that. So to me, this year, like that was it. Like I've done, I came second last year. Like that's fine. Uh, like if I want to try to win, this is the way you have to do it. Anyway, I just made that decision. And uh, early on, like I, I in the first event, I I kind of pushed myself too hard overheated quite badly and ended up with like a minor heat stroke right away or the first step of the competition so 
still did fine, but I was recovering from that for like the next two days. Um, and you know, I had a couple different events where I, t- I took little risks and they didn't pay off. Uh, a couple events that things just didn't go. I had some tough luck in an event and, and like it just, uh, I ended up, I was in 10th going into the, the sixth event, which was going to cut the field to 10. Uh, and it was a, like a 25 second sprint and I'm not like the best sprinter. Um, so it was just like a back against the wall thing. And I ended up getting a penalty for stepping on the line, which took me out. So I missed the cut. And then, and so this year they did the, they cut to t- 10 athletes with still half of the competition left to go. So in years past, like I haven't necessarily ever started super strong at the games, but I, I have really good lasting power and typically I'll, I'll succeed in the long run. But this year they, they cut it. They cut everybody by the time you were halfway in, so nobody really got the chance for a comeback, right? So it was like a different sort of year, and I think that my approach coming in uh, was maybe just wrong. Like uh, looking at it afterwards, I think that now you know you've got to play it safe until you make that last cut, and then it's time to take the risks. It would have probably hurt more to have such a bad, uh, well, not a bad performance, but a worse performance than years past. Um, had it not been such a strange year, like there's been so many changes that have gone on. And I mean, I'm not the only athlete that got affected by that stuff. A lot of really strong athletes who've been perennial top 10, top five guys got cut, you know, two events into the games. It wasn't a a lack of preparation and a lack of fitness. It was a bit of a lack of execution and that's sports. Like that's just like, I've competed in sports too long to let that irritate me. Um, Well, to let it like define me. It irritates me plenty. It irritates me plenty, but it's not like I'm going to take that as like, oh, shit, I'm, I wasn't fit enough. Like, I don't think it was my fitness that was a problem. It was just that some decisions and some execution. Can you make – do you make a living as a – I know that you, you're you studying to be a chiropractor at the same time, but can you make I'm, a living – I'm li- done now, actually. I oh, you finished? Okay. Oh, yeah, congratulations, man. When did you – You graduated right, right before the games. Actually, oh, so. wow. <laughs> so – so now can you but are you going to make a living as a as a crossfit athlete can people do that uh yeah people can do that um it's just it's so the, the what i'm kind of wrestling with right now is that if you're going to try to do that there's two ways to do it you either need to find a ton of uh endorsements or you need to do a lot of travel and competing and likely even with endorsements it's a lot of travel so even just now trying to compete, like I'm, just, I still have a fair amount of travel obligations with the sponsors that I do have and the competitions that I do want to go to, um, to go to you know bigger prize money events. And so the challenge that I'm trying to deal with right now is figuring out, okay, I do I do want to start working here soon, but um, it's I, I got to find the right gig where I can get the time off when I need it, because if I need to up and go, you know, once a month or every, you know, five or six weeks and be away for almost a week. I, I like that's it's a challenging ask to come in as someone who's looking to get hired. My, so like my, my partner's a medical resident and we may not be staying where we're living right now for a really long time. So it's a bit, if I'm going to start my own practice, it may take a couple years for it to become really lucrative and then I might be moving as by the time it does. So I, I'm like kind of wrestling with like how, how to make that work. I'm, I'm going to meet with a few um, clinics here soon and just see if I can come to some sort of solution, even if it's just putting me on a reserve so that when people go away, I can come in and, and work while people are away. But it, there certainly is the opportunity to make a living. A lot of people do. Uh, I, I do think, though, that it's not a – it's not a, uh, a big, big window. Like even if I was to decide to make earn my living as an athlete now, I could probably only do that for another few years. My plan has always been to have that fallback for when I need it, uh, where, you know, this is fun. This is, it's been really cool to do. It's been amazing to do while I've been in school, um, and be able to, you know, pay off my student debts with, with like prize money from competitions like it's no not everybody has those opportunities i've been able to travel around see the world um it's been really cool it's been amazing uh but i don't think it's sort of like a reality that is infinite and it's gonna last forever so i've always kind of been painfully aware of that what is the best time to take your shirt off before the event in the middle of the event or towards the end of the event like if you want to intimidate somebody when are you taking the shirt off See now, this is a this is a tricky one because people probably don't think about this as much as they should. So it depends is the answer. So depending on what movements are in the workout um, and where you are relative to the field, 
it makes a big impact. So if you have any movements where you need to like have the bar on your chest or, you know, you're throwing a medicine ball, anything that your body's going to make something sweaty and slippery, you never take your shirt off. Mm. Rule, num- rule number one. Uh, a lot of people do it and it's stupid and they lose because of it. <laughs> so there's there's a whole shirt taking off strategy. Oh, there absolutely is. So anything where your shirt's going to provide any kind of grip, you always keep it on. Uh, but if the way the the workout works, you move past that movement, and then the rest of the workout, there is no nothing that it's going to bother. Then yeah, you can take it off, right in the middle of the workout, and it looks awesome. Cameras love it. Crowd fans love it. It's amazing. Have you, you ever know? have you ever been in the competition and seen somebody take their shirt off and think, oh, too soon, buddy, too soon. Oh yeah, all the time. It's amazing. Or when you see other people, because in the, the games, say there's rules where you know when we take the competition floor, you have to be wearing a shirt because it's your it's your jersey, like it's got your your name on it, and your number. So you need to wear it when you take the floor, but you can take it off during the event or before the event if you want. So a lot of times, people like when they give like a one minute uh, warning before the start of the event, people will take off their shirts. Uh, and yeah, depending on the event, I'm like, people just don't know, man. Do you know the names of the Sour Patch Kids? They have names? Fuck, no, I don't. Now I feel like an idiot. I should. That was a hard question. It's a trick question. They're not, they don't have names. They just have flavors. I wanted to test your, I knew you were a big, well, according to this one article I read on Google, you're a big Sour Patch Kids fan, so I wanted to. I feel like most, most gummy candies. I think, uh, I, I usually have like a little bag of some sort of gummies in my, in my gym bag for when I'm at really, when I have really long training sessions and you just, Sometimes you just bonk and you need a little bit of sugar and uh, it's nice. It just it gives you something to look forward to too. You're like you look at how much work you have left to do and you say, All right, well, but like once I get this far, I'm gonna have some gummy candies and it just kind of rejuvenates you a little bit and you, it helps you get through the day. What's your favorite workout? That's a hard one. I feel like if you're doing it right, some of them they none of them are very good. <laughs> but uh I think that my favorite, like, kind of low maintenance one for for people to do uh, is a, a benchmark workout called Jackie. Is a it's just sort of got a little bit of everything. So it's 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 a workout that starts with a row, and then you move on to a barbell movement called a thruster, which is like a squat and a press, and then you do pull ups, and then it's done. It's just sort of once through row thrusters, pull ups, um, but it's a very so it, it has a combination of like barbell gymnastics and a monostructural movement, which is sweet. It's got, you know, a little bit of everything. It's not that long, less than 10 minutes for sure. But uh, it's a bit of a delicate balance because the row is one kilometer. And if you row too fast, you will pay for it before you finish the workout. Um, so you could, you know, you could just slightly step over that line and then cost yourself a minute or two in the other two movements because you're just – you're mangled like you can't function uh but if you row hard but smart you'll feel smooth through the whole thing so i think that's a cool one for people it's also it's it's a classic crossfit benchmark a lot of people have done it it's a good test retest uh kind of workout that's not over programmed i mean the one thing about being a, a games athlete or a high level competitive athlete in crossfit is we do a lot of stuff that's just not realistic uh, and people can't even relate to it. Like, you know, we're like, we're running a kilometer and then throwing 200 pound sandbags around all while wearing a weight vest. And then we've got to climb ropes without our legs. And like, people don't even get it. Like how you can't, you can't really associate with that. Um, but it's this Jackie workout is the kind of workout you could do in your CrossFit gym. A lot of gyms program that sort of thing all the time. If there's a movie made about the CrossFit games, who's playing you? I could see that. That's actually, yeah. That's what I, would. I can't remember the guy's name uh, who plays Steve the Pirate on Dodgeball. Maybe oh, him, shoot. Too. Yeah, I could see that, too. What does what is an after CrossFit Games party look like? Like, is it a wild party or is it people eating keto chips? It depends on who. Because uh, there's a lot of athletes that don't drink or don't wait. A lot of athletes, too, will go after something like the Games – where you spent, you know, however many weeks or months ignoring your family and friends, will really take the time to to spend that night with like your family and friends and like as a say thank you to everybody and um, put some time in. But if uh, there's a there's a lot of athletes who 
on the flip side of that, I feel like they've been pent up for a long time. And so people cut loose and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, but it is a lot. It's like, sometimes it's like the walking dead. Like everybody's can barely, everybody's limping around cause their legs barely work anymore. And everyone's beat up from the week, but they're, you're so tired. You just want to go to sleep, but you know, you, you got to go out and, uh, celebrate another year complete. So it's fun. There are definitely some athletes who will throw down afterwards. Um, but I'm sure it's mostly light beers or like vodka waters. Last question that we feel here at the podcast, like it, this delves into people's souls. If you're heating something up in the microwave, does it come out piping hot, freezing cold, or just right? Oh, that's a good question. It depends what it is. If there's like a high risk of splattering, I'll, I'll usually lowball it. And it comes out and it's cold and then I have to keep like I put it in three times before I get it to the right temperature. Um, I don't want to overshoot because there's no going back. And then I got to clean the microwave. That's, that's, so It's a good strategy. That's, I'll usually go <laughs> slow increments until it's just perfect. Anything? That's all the questions I got, man. Anything else coming up for you? Anything you got coming up? <laughs> oh, not much, thankfully. I mean, I think I'm, I'm home here for a little bit. We're going to go. I'm hitting the... Um, uh, an event in Hawaii at the start of September, well, mid-September, uh, called the Ultimate Hawaii Trail Run. Uh, it's an event put on by the Kalea Foundation down there, and it's sort of a, an event that fundraises for uh, youths in need kind of from areas that, with, that are a lot of substance abuse and things like that. So it, it supports kids and uh, provides you know, physical education and meals and a strong community for them to – to empower them to succeed. So uh, we're going down to Hawaii. I think I'm heading down there kind of the 7th of September to go help out with that stuff and then do the run on the 14th. So that's something cool. I mean, uh, you can look up the Kalea Foundation or the Ultimate Hawaii Trail Run. You can donate to some of the the pages that are available there. Um, other than that, man, we've got the season starting up again basically at the start of October, so like five weeks or something like that until we're back doing the dance again. But I mean, we not a lot of off-season these days, so uh, that's pretty much it for the short term. Other than that, I probably won't hit a competition floor until December. I want to thank Patrick so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we've linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have also included his information in the RSS feed that's on this podcast. And if you want to check out and donate to that run that he was talking about, the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run, we've also included a link to that website on the RSS feed as well. Okay, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. And I think that this is going to have to be pretty quick because he's basically neglecting his children in order to be able to do this. Hey, buddy. How often would you say you neglect your family in order to do the things that you want to do? I'm not kidding when I say this. I I don't think I neglect them at all. That's a lie. You're going to say you don't neglect your family at all in order to do stuff. I mean, you know, I watch sports, but even when I'm watching sports, it's not like... My, the wife says, hey, like, you know, we need to go to the store. It's not like I I, I continue to sit there and say, hey, I'm, go without me. I'm not going with you. I am pretty confident in saying that if I... Wow. I would put my number of about 20 to 25 percent. I'm going to neglect my family. Really? I, I think when you become like a, a parent, I mean, it's hard to neglect your family. I feel like that's that's all I feel like that's all I'm living for anymore is is be at the at the beck and call of my family. See, but I'm I've had a family for a little bit longer than you and I would put my number probably around your number at the beginning, but now you kind of have to neglect them a little bit. See, I, I guess when you put it that way, I mean, I I I would say that I guess I'm 10%, but like I I don't I don't I don't look at that as ignoring them do you have you ever known a slow driver are you a slow driver i am not a slow driver but i I think it's been well documented on here that i am a cautious driver okay so the speed limit is 60 how fast are you going 65 70 okay is that in is that in town traffic like if you're on the highway in detroit you're pushing 65 70 i've been told that michigan uh speed limits are higher than the rest of the nation so here it's 70, 75 in some areas, so it's not uncommon for me to go, you know, if it's 70, I'll go 80. If it's 75 in the rural areas, I'll go 85. Nice. See, but that's a mistake, right? 
you've obviously never had a long discussion with a police officer because you're supposed to go like they're going to let you slide between seven to eight miles an hour over. If you cross over double digits, they're going to get you. I mean, it's not like I'm pulling a Dale Earnhardt out there. RIP too soon, I think. Um, you know, and just going way, you know, I usually try to fit into the pack instead of being the leader, right? You never want to be the leader or the last uh, car in the pack, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good that's a good lifestyle in general. Just blend in. Don't stand out at all. <laughs> Don't do anything worthwhile. Just make it through life. <laughs> just continue to breathe and go about your day. I just, so, hey, I, so happy, uh, happy first weekend. Of the NFL officially being back. That's not it's like see, a holiday, you, you, I swear. You always do this. We tape this on Sunday. The episode comes out on Wednesday. It's not the first weekend. The weekend has already passed. But I mean, like, happy past weekend, first weekend of the NFL? See, I don't think you can celebrate things after they've happened anymore, right? I feel like in today's society, as soon as something is over, it's over. Everyone's forgotten about it. Move on. It doesn't yeah, exist that's, anymore. That's true, actually. That's very true. Yeah, I bring I mean, that up. At least a lot. we can all look forward to another Patriots Super Bowl victory. Are they probably going to win again? Yeah, I, I you know I don't want to bore people, but uh, there's been a, uh, a soap opera drama in the NFL this offseason with uh, Antonio Brown, who was a Raider, and then they were going to fire him or uh, cut him, and then apparently he made good, and then he released his Instagram video asking for his release. Either way. The Raiders released him, and within four hours of the official release, he signed with the Patriots. What do you think? And he's he's been the most prolific wide receiver since he came into the league. What do you think, though? Okay, besides the football aspect of it necessarily, what do you think is really behind a guy like that? Where they just it's, it's like this incessant either maybe it's not a need for attention, but they're just always always front and center, right? There's always something. So there, I mean, it's money for one. I'm sure. I mean, he. I mean, as soon as he signed with the Patriots, he posted a picture of himself in a Patriots jersey, surrounded by cash. However, and I think this brings up a more serious point. He, uh, a couple years ago, he was involved uh, in a in a serious collision in a playoff game that knocked him out cold. Now he hasn't acted right since that hit. But the ironic part of the whole the whole thing, really. He, he called his general manager of the Raiders a cracker and then went to hit him, <laughs> which That'll if any it. of us did that to any of our bosses, we would be fired on the spot and arrested probably. Yeah, um, but talent gets away with things, right? If you're really good at something, <laughs> you get away with something. And I have no problem with somebody who's talented taking advantage of that. Anyways, the, the point being, when he went to go take a swing at the general manager – the person that like stepped in, the player that stepped in to stop him from like destroying the general manager, was the same person that knocked him out in that playoff game a few years ago. How ironic is that? You know, a question that I wanted to ask you was, you know, because I know you've been in the situation before, is and a former you know, NFL player, yes. <laughs> if you're him, you know Antonio Brown, uh, and you're set to make you know thirty million dollars this year with the Raiders. You know, do you just suck it up? Like, say you are in that position. Do you just suck up everything that's going on? He's had, like, helmet drama. He froze his feet off in Europe. Uh, so he's coming back from that. You know, do you just suck it up and play and do your job? Or do you do kind of what he did and basically force your way out onto another team? I think it de- it's a matter of just perspective, right? If you're not making that much money, you just immediately think, oh, I'm going to suck it up and I'm just going to move forward. But I think the reality is for those guys, there's really – what can you buy with $30 million that you can't buy with twenty five, right? So you're not sure. talking about a ton of money in that kind of mindset. So that's why I think that like, oh, just suck it up. You're making a ton of money. That doesn't really apply in that situation. I think that – I mean basically it is either the CTE thing that you're talking about or it's just that he's a big social media guy. And you just feed off that attention. And it doesn't even matter. You just need more and more attention. It's, uh, it's a tough position to think about, but it, I think it's one of those interesting situations that can kind of transcend sports. How does it transcend yeah, sports? Man. I'd like to hear your explanation for that. Well, because I think everyone's put in a situation where, you, you know, you, you think about 
the situation you're in, whether it's your personal life or, or work, and you, you think about, do I really want to keep doing this? Am I happy where I am? Is the money worth it? Obviously, no one's making $30 million on the reg, but you know, I, I think it all can equate to some, you know, some scenario that we're in. Did you say on the reg? How old are you now? You just had a birthday. Uh, 32, September yeah, that's, 3rd. That's too old. Woo! You can't do that anymore. You can't say things I, like that I, I once you pass 30. I thought I actually sounded halfway uh, educated there, and then I ruined it by doing that. I, I agree. Yeah. You were doing really well until you said on the reg. I'm th- I think the, 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 top, the top age, top possible age for saying stuff like that and for trying to use cool lingo is 31. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> of course it's a year. <laughs> of course it's the year that I just was, but I'm not anymore. No, no. It, it, look, you, okay, you're 30, right? Like that's a milestone, but you're still not that you're still not that far beyond from being in your 20s, which is generally like the cool area of your life. So you get one more year and then it's over, right? So 31 is the end of when you can start to use cool sounding terms. Like when when is the when do you think it's time? To like grow up and move out of your parents' house, like I feel like the age keeps getting later 18? and later. What did you say? Eighteen. See, I would agree with that. I mean, or, or at least twenty-one. You know, you go to college, you come home, you move out, whatever. I know people who have children who still live with them that are like twenty-six, See, twenty-seven, that's way too one far. Per- and, and these are normal people with like no mental or physical disabilities that are they're just living with their parents. Well, what city do they live in? I mean, some cities are really ridiculously expensive. Maybe somebody has kind of a public service career where they're like a teacher and you can't afford it, right? So sure. there's there's extenuating circumstances. But if there isn't extenuating circumstances, 18. I remember when I graduated from high school and all my friends got like a graduation party and I asked my dad about like, can I get one? He said, absolutely not. You're supposed to graduate from high school. Not giving you credit for things you're supposed to do. Now get out of my house. <laughs> and you've carried that over into your life now, including your friendships. Yeah, you don't get credit for things that you're supposed to do. Oh, well, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I I had a party, but hey, you know, I, I I'm See? one of those people. Entitlement. You get you entitled <laughs> over there. Listen, here's my other question: How do you feel about people who tuck their shirt into their shorts? You'll probably make fun of me for this. Maybe you won't, uh, but I don't. T- I don't do like the polo shirts tuck in. But if I'm like around the house and I'm wearing like basketball shorts, or if I'm outside doing something in basketball shorts, I'll tuck like my regular shirt in. What? You're tucking a t-shirt into your shorts? I mean, I'm I, I'm doing it right now. Actually, I can send you a selfie if you want. You're kidding me. How long have you been tucking your shirt into your shorts? You're talking about like gym shorts and a t-shirt and you're tucking that in and walking around your house? I'm doing it right now. Why? I I honestly have no reason for it. I just just do it. I don't know. I don't know why why. I mean, sometimes untucked, sometimes it's half untucked, sometimes it's fully tucked. When you tuck it in, what do you do? Do you fully tuck it in, like do the thing, you push it all the way down, and then kind of try to pull it out a little bit so you get like the little poof thing? Or do you leave it straight tucked in? No, I mean, it, it's like a dirty tuck. You know what I mean? I think that's what they call it. Like, I, I don't like put it all the way down, but I mean, you know, it's, you can tell. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look bad. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I knew, I knew as soon as you asked this question, what you, what we were gonna you know where we were gonna go with this? Who's, I've never heard the phrase "dirty tuck." Is that common in the tucking in your shirt industry? Like, are people using "dirty tuck"? I kind of just made it up, but it sounded good, didn't it? It did kind of. I'll give you credit for that. It's nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm a tucker inner, and I'm also a puller downer. So for like my shirt, like I'll I'll, I'll pull it down to like. I don't even know the effect. My my wife says it, it makes me look horrible, which she's probably correct, and she's also very loving. Um, I mean, I've seen you. I agree. <laughs> I'm trying to hide every pound here. You know what I mean? So that's why you're doing it. You're trying to hide your weight. It's not because, like, why don't you just live your life, man? Think of how much more comfortable you'd be with your shirt untucked. 
I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, once again, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing with you. I mean, I just sometimes untuck some, like if I'm going out in the yard to like do something or, 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 or something like that, I'll tuck it in. But if I'm just walking around the house, sometimes it'll be untucked. It's like a 50, 50 method. You're not business all the time. You can have fun too. <laughs> I mean, listen, if rednecks can do it with their hair, I can do it with my tucking in. What, what about rednecks hair? You know, uh, that's what they say about, you know, people who have mullets. Business in the front, party in the back. Oh, I see where you're going there. I see where you're going. Let me ask you this, though. That last question about your shirt tucking in. Let's say you're out in the, <laughs> let's say you're out in the yard and you're picking up rocks or whatever, something like that, and you got a big rock. Are you going to tuck the shirt in to pick up the rock like, oh, tired, time to get serious now? Or are you leaving it untucked? I'm probably tucking it in because I'm going to be bending down. Okay, what's uh, what's what's your first segment? Let's hear it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, no music this time. No, I don't want any music. You've done a terrible job of making music. <laughs> it, come on, you didn't like the face thing. I got some comments on my face thing. I can do it again for do you. Do the face thing one more time, and then just for people who don't know, John shakes his face fat, and it's a disgusting sound. So just do that, <laughs> I and then get more my thing. lips than my face fat. It, it's fine. It is How big it is. are your lips? I mean, you you know me. I mean, I I have a pretty big mouth. Yeah. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just move on. <laughs> that's that's yeah. That's all right. Anyways, here it goes. God, it's so gross. <laughs> I want you to amplify that and 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 do it. Anyways, I'm trying right, to burn so it out of my memory. To you, uh, Sir Nick. Uh, when you're taking a shower, is the water real like cold, hot, in the middle? I would say in the middle, edging towards hot. I'm not taking a cold shower. I'm not taking a super hot shower. Okay, all right, fair enough. I'm I, I'm a hundred percent in the middle. I I can't stand when it's too cold or too hot. Okay. Uh, on our on our Facebook, uh, we asked uh, who has the worst college football fans. So the top two uh, vote-getters were Michigan and Notre Dame, which I don't agree with Michigan, but it is what it is. Uh, so my question to you is, if you had to go to a tailgate of either or, which one would you pick, Notre Dame or Michigan? Michigan. I mean, anytime you're dealing with a lot more people, I feel like that that's going to be better. And Notre Dame is a private school, isn't it? Is it a private school? It is, but I mean, they, I mean, they still they still fill up the stadium, but, you know, it's... <laughs> Yeah, be but surrounded by Mother Teresa's and all that. Well, and that's the thing. I feel like they're going to be kind of fancier, and I don't like to hang around with fancy people. So I'm going with Michigan all the way. <laughs> Fuck craft macaroni and cheese. Just give me Dollar General stuff. Exactly, man. I'm hanging out at the food for less. I'm not going to Trader <laughs> Joe's. Who's got that money? So I know the NFL ha- will have already started by the time this comes out. But my question to you is. Did you draft Sebastian Janikowski on your fantasy football team? I wanted to. I wanted to pick him up, but I just couldn't. I mean, you'd have to have a kicker. So I actually picked up Will Lutz and tweeted him, and he tweeted me back, and he was, like, glad to be on the team. So I'm pretty excited about that. Wow, look at you, huh? Will Lutz. Yeah, I mean, I'm verified on Twitter, so I guess that people just look at that and figure that you're <laughs> – Figure that you're a normal person. That's really the only. That's really the only way to tell nowadays if you're verified on Twitter if you're normal or not. I keep asking Twitter to verify me, but I never get a response. So it is what it is. Probably know about the whole shirt tucking in situation. All right, let's have some music for your next segment. Nothing uh, wrong with the shirt tucking in. All right, give me like a polk of theme. Oh, I don't even. I can't come up with that off the top of my head. I don't even know what a polka really sounds like. I don't really either, so you could essentially make it sound like anything. <laughs> I mean, is it oh, like it, a... It's like... Like the chicken dance? Is that like the... Yeah, I think the chicken dance is a polka. I'm not entirely sure. We need to ask that question, because if it is, we either sound like geniuses or like absolute morons right now. Yeah, <laughs> okay, well, anyway, let's let's move on. Yeah, let's just uh, move on. Anyways, all right, so clean and crisp here on the social media uh, part of our show. 
uh, sponsored by uh, ProfessionalPodcastSolutions.com, where you can get all your podcast solution needs. Uh, head over to PodcastProfessionalSolutions.com. That's completely wrong. The sponsor is Professional Podcast Productions. Way oh, yeah, to go. Whatever. <laughs> ProfessionalPodcastProductions.com. There you go. Triple P's coming at you like the breeze. All right. Um, <laughs> see, see what I did there. Um, all right. So yeah. So we talked about the one uh, Twitter question we just asked on the uh, the the worst football fans that I didn't agree with. Uh, this got a lot of traction, which I thought was good. But uh, when was the last time you read a book? Problem. And like within within the week one, which super surprised me. I, when's the last time you read a book, Nick, that wasn't a graphic novel? Probably within the last year. And I'm not talking about – I'm talking about calendar year, right? Like we're going back to September of 2018 because within the physical 2019 year, I don't think I have. Okay. Well, Dante said he's read 14 and we all know he can't read, so he's lying. That's a huge um, lie. <laughs> Massive lie. Yeah, he's lying 100%. I've, you're not going to believe this. I've actually read two books in the last week and a half. No. Whoa. What were they? How many pages? Uh, I think about 300 and 400. They were both uh, sports biographies, so they're pretty easy. Well, who, are they, who are they about? Uh, David Ortiz, the uh, Big Poppy. baseball player who was just shot in the back in Dominican <laughs> Republic and almost murdered. And then uh, a hockey biography about a local Detroit legend. Uh, who I'm sure no one will know unless you're a hockey fan or from the Detroit area, uh, but Bob Probert. <laughs> a terrible selection of books. Anyway, <laughs> go on. First off, Probert died, okay, and he was one of the most badass hockey players ever. Anyway, I'm not. I don't. I don't have to get in this with you. Wow, you pretty defensive. Tell me the one most interesting fact about Bob Probert then. Uh, the <laughs> the the fact that he got arrested. More than seven times uh, at the Canada Detroit border uh, for bringing drugs either to or from, and he never really served any hard jail time for it. Okay, that's actually a pretty interesting fact about Bob Probert. <laughs> Shout out to <laughs> Bob <know>. Probert. <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna uh, gonna get you there, but uh, anyways, um, I, I need to pick up my game here because you are you defeated me in the poll yet again. Um, on the uh, you know the the worst thing someone has said to you in a text message, I still think your dick pic was the best uh, best choice out of any of our ten. Yeah, um, That's probably you know, why I won. Sorry, sorry if you've ever received a dick pic, uh, Nick, from me on a on a on a drunken night. But uh, you know, hopefully you deleted it. Yeah, I mean it was a small file. Do you feel like your friends should see your dick? I mean, not on purpose. Like, if you're really good friends with somebody, like, should you have seen their dick? I mean, I think it's probably going to happen one way or the other if you're friends with them for that long. And, you you know, especially if you're, like, in a locker room, if you went to high school with them or played sports with them. But, I mean, I'm not just walking up to one of my best friends. Like, I would never walk up to you and be like, hey, bro, let me see your, your cheddar, bro. Let me see your, your your dick, bro. What did we talk about earlier about the cutoff being 31? What? The cheddar's – come on. Everyone still uses the cheddar. I've never heard of the cheddar before in my life. Well, you're also from Kansas. I'm just going to say that if you've been friends with somebody for over 10 years and haven't seen their dick or for women seen their <laughs> boobs, you probably really aren't that good of friends, right? You should have accidentally been in some situation where you went on like a road trip or you did something that you've probably seen it. <laughs> now that I think of it, I don't think I've seen most of my friends' dicks. We should probably just move on. Let, let's, move, I, I'm, let's move on to our top five this week, please. Okay, so our top five is top five NFL mascots. Who you got number five? NFL? I thought we were doing college. No, it's NFL. This is the first weekend of the NFL. Remember you made a whole big deal about it? It's the NFL. I, I, did, I thought we were doing college, Beth. Uh, you, you know what? This is what I get for now. You never responded yesterday, but whatever. Um, Do you want me to check our right, text so messages? Because I'm 100% sure it says NFL in there somewhere. I, I don't think it does. I, I, it's fine. I, I can still I can still adapt. I have it all at the top of my head. Um, to give to give me some time, I'll be a homer here and go with uh, Rory the Lion, the Detroit Lions mascot for number five. 
Okay, that's a solid one. I feel like whenever you're getting any of the animal mascots, they're all going to kind of run together after a certain amount of time. My number five is a tie between the Jets, the Giants, and the Packers because they had the decency not to have a mascot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that is right. I, I thought the uh, Packers had uh, – but I guess they don't, no. Huh. No, I think right. the well, Packers just have the cheeseheads, but those are the fans. They don't have an official mascot, according to Wikipedia. Well, shit, well, shit have you ever been to Wisconsin? Half those people could be mascots. <laughs> Taking shots in Wisconsin. Uh, well, you know, that's that's the, they, they deserve it. Have you ever been to Wisconsin? Because I have. Um, What's your number right, four? Uh, for number four, I'm going to go with uh, Sir Saint, the New Orleans Saints mascot. I don't feel either way about Sir Saint. I thought about Sir Saint, but I just wasn't. I feel like that's a city that doesn't need one. Like if you're a cool city, you don't need a mascot. Las Vegas doesn't need a mascot. New Orleans doesn't need a mascot. Like you can just be the the city itself is good enough. You don't need that. Well, you know, mascots are the best. I don't know why you're saying that, you know. I don't care how cool the city is. Like, have a have a mascot for God's sakes. I'm just saying it brings it down. It brings down the city, right? Like New Orleans doesn't need it. The city can be the mascot. Sir Saint just brings it down. My number four is the Buffalo Bills mascot, which is oh, an eight man, foot I buffalo. You're gonna have have him as number one. No, I couldn't. I didn't even realize that this was a real mascot. And that's my number one is different. But the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills real mascot should be their fans. Those are the best fans in the NFL. <laughs> if no one knows what Nick's referring to, go to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, just type in Buffalo Bills fans on Google, and you'll see some crazy shenanigans from them setting themselves on fire to uh, professional wrestling, move themselves through tables. It's it's quite hilarious. <laughs> Bills, It's Bills Mafia. Hashtag Bills Mafia. Easily the most entertaining <laughs> thing about the Buffalo Bills. What's your number three? <laughs> Uh, Swoop, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles mascot, for two reasons. One, because he's an eagle, and that's badass. And two, because he's one of the only few mascots that I've ever known to get into a fight with another mascot. That's All right, so that automatically moves you up. Like I said, the animal mascots all kind of run together a little bit, especially the bird ones. But getting into a fight with another mascot immediately elevates you in that, in yep. that ranking. Uh, my number three is the Broncos mascot, Thunder. Specifically the live animal version of it, not necessarily that thing that they got running around, but the live <laughs> animal is pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, I actually thought the mascot's pretty cool, but yeah, I would agree that anytime, especially in college, when you can have like an actual animal as your mascot, that's way cooler than some asshole dressed up in a costume. Right, right. What's your number two? Uh... <laughs> If no one's ever seen this mascot, they have to. I, I forget the exact name, but it's the Chicago Bears mascot. <gasps> I think it's called Stanley the Bear or, or, or Sticky the Bear. I don't know. But basically, the bear looks like it's been on an all-night binger, and it's still continue to drinking, or continues to drink. It's the best. I mean, the costume's the worst, but it's the best. <laughs> My number two is also Stanley DeBear of the Chicago Bears for basically the exact same reason <laughs> that he looks like he's been through some shit. <laughs> oh, my, yeah, I, uh, I've, I've seen it in person, and it, it is as bad as you think. Like, it is... Who's your number one? Uh, T-Rack, the Tennessee Titans Are mascot, you... because... The name is the best. T-Rack. And it's a raccoon. Oh, I didn't know it was a raccoon. I just saw the name T-Rack and went hard pass. <laughs> yeah, it's a raccoon, I believe. Okay, that makes it somehow much better that it's a raccoon. Uh, <laughs> my number one is number one because it's both kind of cool and incredibly lame at the same time is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mascot, Captain Fear. <laughs> Captain Fear that doesn't really scare any kind of fear. Yeah, it's it's like a great name, like ooh, Captain Fear, but then it's so lame that it has to be. It's that equal mix of good and bad. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll uh, I'll give you that one. Um, 
I had a couple on my uh, my honorable mention. Uh, the KC, the Kansas City Chiefs mascot. You got to be kidding me! That's incredibly lame. What is it like? A duck or a bull or? It's a wolf. What does a wolf have to do with the Kansas City Chiefs? There's no wolves in Kansas. I have no idea. That's what makes it so badass. Okay. Uh, Sourdough Sam, the San Francisco 49ers mascot. <laughs> lame and good. <laughs> No idea why it's uh, sourdough Sam, but it is what it is. Um, and then I also have on here the the Colts uh, mascot because that's another one that's gotten into a fight. But I I don't really know its name. It's like a blue dragon or a blue horse or something. I don't I don't know. But. I think it's just called blue. Um, I don't really have any honorable mentions. I do like. I mean, I like T Rack. Now that I hear that it's a raccoon, I could care less. Before that's about it. Yeah, uh, that's really the only one. So since you thought we were doing college, what do you have as your number? Give me your real quick. Give me your top five college ones. Uh, so I went to Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, which you know doesn't make any sense. I know because I hate them, but it is what it is. Um, and then I have I had Sparty. Hold on, let me bring up my list because I just exit out of it because you had... just edit this part out. We're good. Um, so I have Western Kentucky, uh, Big Red as my number three. Uh, the Stanford Tree <laughs> yeah. as, as my number two. And then as my number one, I mean, this should, this should have been everyone's number one. And it's Dartmouth College's Keggy the Keg. <laughs> <laughs> the only one that I would have thrown in there, I like the last two. I think it's really hard to beat the tree. Uh, and Keggy the Keg is Ugga. The bulldog for the because then he bites somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a little bastard that that dog. But yet, you know, respect is what it is. Respect. Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. If you guys get a chance, we really appreciate it. If you like, download, subscribe, share, it really helps us out. We love hearing your guys' comments. We've gotten enough of them now, and I mean enough in a good way that we've started to kind of. We're only, we're only going to be picking the best to highlight on the show. So if you're going to insult us, you've really got to try. Right? Put some effort into us. Come up with a good insult. Coming up in our next episode, if you've ever thought that this show is a disaster, it's really going to be a disaster next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.